Great to have you along for the ride. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Really glad to have this young lady on. Her name is Chloe Ezzo. She is a, a reporter, a correspondent with The College Fix. Goes to school at Dartmouth College in New Hampshire. Chloe, how are you? Nice to meet you. Hi, Joe. It's a pleasure to be here. It's my pleasure to have you. We talked just a little bit before we got going here. I was a music major in college. I was not a, a communications or broadcast major. Um, and, and we both play the French horn, which is wild to me because almost nobody plays the French horn. That's actually pr- kind of cool. Yeah, that's true. I was actually the principal horn in the All New England Orchestra when I was a senior in high school. Are you still so- playing that? Do you, is, there a, is there a big orchestra or a symphonic band at Dartmouth? There is. There's a lot of music ensembles, but I'm more um, focused right now on my political activities and my reporting on campus. It takes up a lot of time, um, but I, I do play a little bit just, just for myself. Well, it's, for those who don't know, now I'm just going to give a little backstory here. We didn't have a whole lot of money when I was growing up, and I wanted to be a saxophone player, but we couldn't afford it. So you could rent a French horn for $10 a year at my high school, and we scrapped together $10. And it actually, it became a great benefit because when it comes to brass, and I don't want to hear any emails or any phone calls from people arguing with this, when it comes to brass instruments, French horn is by far the hardest instrument to play because with one fingering, you can play every note or you can play a million different notes. You've got to really have your embouchure down. Uh, Does that, uh, is that relating to, to your experience as well? It's not easy, but once you get it, you feel like you really accomplished something. Yeah, it's, it's a very rewarding instrument to play. I think it requires a lot of determination. I think it helped me to become a very disciplined person. I, when I was practicing really intensely, um, I would probably play about an hour a day. So I think it's really good um, for, for building up a routine and, and discipline and things like that. It's, it's a difficult instrument. It's a great perspective. Any parent out there listening or watching, I, I would urge you to have your kids get into musical instruments because you've got to learn the language of music. Then you've got to learn how to actually work the instrument to make it sound like you want it to. And I think what you just said is a great perspective. It gives great discipline and also a great reward to, for, for the hard work. It's Chloe Ezzo. She's a reporter from Dartmouth College for the College Fix. Tell me about Dartmouth. I've never been there. I, I assume it's very liberal. Yes, yeah, so Dartmouth is an Ivy League college. It's located in Hanover, New Hampshire. It's a very small school. It's the smallest Ivy League, and it's, it's an extremely liberal college, to say the least. I, I can definitely attest to that from my experiences as the president of the College Republicans and a student reporter for the College Fix. It's very, very liberal. So when you decide to go there, is it because you're from there? What, what made you say, I'm going to go there knowing that I'm probably going to be amongst people who don't agree with me? I mean, I'm from Connecticut, so I grew up around people that I fundamentally disagreed with on on political issues, and that to me was very normal. It's really interesting, though, because I was hoping that that same tolerance would be extended to me as a conservative at Dartmouth, and I can say that that's definitely not been the case. I think that I was hoping to um, take advantage of the world-class education that, that Dartmouth has to offer, and you know, if that means that you have to be surrounded by people who are hostile to your beliefs, then I guess so be it. And I've been very fortunate to be accepted at Dartmouth. I study French and Russian here. And I can say that the professors, at least the ones that I've had, have been, have been excellent, especially in the French and Russian departments. There's never been anything wrong with disagreeing. Why do they disagree so, so vehemently? It's, it's so loud and it's so cancelly and it's so, it's so woke. Why can't they accept that you think differently? Maybe we should talk about it and then go grab some lunch. Why is it always so animosity-filled? You know, I've been asking myself that question a lot of the, you know, very, very frequently. I've been asking myself that question. I I think it's because a lot of these students, they grow up in very liberal areas and they grow up in a bubble and they're really not used to people who have a difference of opinion. So I think that initially when they're, they they come in contact with someone who's conservative, their, their reaction is to think, oh, this is a bad person that I'm dealing with. This person is morally evil in some way. And, you know, I have to behave in, in a hostile 
a manner towards them. So I, I think that's, that's kind of why we have this intolerance. I personally believe that the admissions office tends to pick some of the most liberal students from all around the country. It's yeah. really funny because, you know, um, there's communist students at Dartmouth, but they're from Turkey, which is an extremely anti-communist country. And it's like, how do you find the one or two handful of communists applying you know, from a very, very anti-communist country. I don't know. The same you can say, you know, they'll find the one LGBTQ activist from Idaho. They just managed to do, to do that. <laughs> That's actually pretty funny. Uh, I don't know that, that there is one from Idaho, but if there was, I guess they found it. Uh, all right. Chloe Ezzo, she's a reporter. Go to thecollegefix.com. You can follow the Dartmouth Republicans at Dart Republicans on Twitter, at Dart Republicans. Let's get into these stories. Uh, topless nun perform sexualized burlesque at Dartmouth drag show. Those, that sentence has never been said before in history. What's going on here? Well, Dartmouth has a college-recognized drag club called the House of Luan, and they put on drag performances every term. Uh, they recently started up last year after being dormant for a while, and so I wanted to cover their drag show in the fall, and I was very surprised to see that one of their performances featured a female student. Uh, she's a biological female and she dressed up as a nun and she performed a burlesque in which she strip danced until, you know, taking off her clothes until the point where she was wearing nothing except for a thong and pasties. And in fact, I had footage of the whole event. I had footage of her performance and the college fix couldn't publish it because it was too obscene. Wow. So I was very surprised to see that. Let me ask you this, and this isn't a loaded question. I, I mean this because religion should be held up on high and nobody's religion should be taken in, in, in humor like this, especially when it goes to, to the profane or the, um, the sordid. Would they ever do this dressed up as Muhammad? Would they ever do this dressed up as somebody who were Muslim, maybe dressed up as Elon Omar and then strip and do a burlesque? I've, I've been thinking exactly the same thing. I was thinking if this young woman had worn a hijab and stripped, this would just certainly not be acceptable in the Dartmouth community. We have a number of Muslim student organizations. They would have come out to denounce it. Had she been wearing, for example, a Jewish tishel, the same reaction would have come from the, the Jewish community at right. Dartmouth. So I don't personally understand why it was acceptable to mock a Catholic nun at this performance. And by the way, you and I would be against them making fun of other religions too. That's the difference. Those of us who are Christian are against this kind of thing. And those who aren't Christian think Christianity is is a free-for-all. You can attack them all you want. Absolutely. And as a student reporter, I'm there to just report the facts. I'm not there to pass judgment on the club, on, on the existence of this club. In fact, you know, our... Basically, the equivalent of the student government, but just for clubs, we have a group like that at Dartmouth is called COSO. So this group, as well as the Dartmouth administration, they've already said, you know, we think that having a club for students to perform in drag, often in sexualized costumes, is worthy. Um, it has enough academic merit and artistic merit potentially to be worth college funding. So I'm not there to make that call. I'm just, you know, there to report the facts and there to... Um, explain what's going on because unfortunately our campus publications don't do that. Well, I'm so, glad that, I'm glad that well, I'm with you. I'm glad that you reported the fact on that. I'm with you. Listen, I was a TV news anchor for a long time. I, I'm an award-winning journalist. I get that you don't inject your own personal feelings in it, but at the same time, some things are just beyond the pale, and just about everybody would agree this is not okay. Yet in this day and age, and I'm not asking for your opinion. I'm giving mine now. Um, in this day and age, you're not allowed to to have the opinion. Hey, don't make fun of Christians because for some reason we're fair game. It's uh, Chloe Ezzo. I appreciate you coming on from the College Fix. The next one is Dartmouth Student Union. Demand. Twenty seven dollars an hour uh, for late night barista jobs. I, I'm confused. Uh, twenty seven an hour is a lot of money. What, what's going on here? 
Yeah, it's a lot of money. So recently our student dining workers, specifically students who work at our on-campus cafe called Novak, they have unionized and they're demanding $21 an hour regular pay and $27 an hour late night pay. They have a whole host of demands. And I think it's it's a complicated situation, but when I went to the protest and I heard them out, I wanted to be very empathetic to their concerns, but a lot of them, they were very concerned with not being able to party enough as opposed to wow. having having this this work um, infringe on their, their schoolwork. So it seemed to me that you know, maybe 80% of the complaints had to do with not having a social life, things like that. You know, there was one student who was a self-described communist. Uh, he said, I want the world. He said, you know, we're taking back what is ours. Another student said, said something to that effect. So, you know, they're sort of saying, this is not charity. We're not asking for anything. We're demanding. And I interviewed the protesters afterwards and I said, hey, if the college is able to satisfy your demands, will you be happy with that? And they said, well, we're kind of a flexible organization and we're always pushing for more. So I think Dartmouth got itself in a very difficult situation because, you know, the students can point to the $8 billion endowment that Dartmouth has and say, you have a lot of money and we deserve it and we want more. And I, I think they're in a bit of an untenable situation. Recently, the students, they said that they were going to go on strike. They threatened strike. And immediately the Dartmouth administration uh, decided to give them the $21 an hour that they were asking for. So who knows what they might be asking for in the future. Uh, this was just something that happened just a few days ago. So it seems like they have a lot of power with this union to to bargain with the college. Just so I understand it, if you want us to stop partying, you've got to pay us more. Yeah, I mean, there are students who said, hey, um, he was a male student. He said, I was really upset because I couldn't dress up like Taylor Swift for Halloween. I couldn't afford a Taylor Swift Halloween costume. And that's what he said at the protest. There's another student Stop complaining. It. I burned my finger on ice saying this is not okay. You know, and, and students saying, hey, I'm a communist. They, they, they openly said that. And this group was trained by the YDSA. They called each other comrades. So I think for them, they want to struggle to struggle. You know, another yes. student. He happened to be a legacy student, and he had written in our Dartmouth socialist publication, The Dartmouth Radical. He said, well, even before I matriculated, I decided I was very disillusioned with Dartmouth, but I'm here because wherever you find yourself on bourgeois struggle, uh, soil, you must struggle against it. So he's taken up that struggle, and he's come here, I guess, to struggle, as are, as are several, several other students in, in this group. Chloe, why don't they just go there to learn? Why, why are they going there to struggle or to strike or to be communist? Just go there and learn and maybe you know get yourself a better life because of it. And it's not cheap to go to Dartmouth, is it? I mean, they're paying all this money uh, to go to Dartmouth and, and just make fools of themselves? Yeah, Dartmouth is a very expensive college. I imagine that maybe some of these students are on financial aid. I do not know. Dartmouth offers actually very generous financial aid. They're one of the few colleges that offer need need blind aid for everybody. Okay. So I don't really understand why they, they you know they feel they feel this way. Um, again, and I wanted to be very sympathetic to them, but it was interesting to see that a lot of their complaints were much more related to their social life as opposed to academics or things like that. And and in terms of you know why they thought they should be paid more. It's Chloe Ezzo from Dartmouth. Uh, she, she reports for The College Fix. Go to thecollegefix.com. Check out everything they do. Towards Equity, Dartmouth event introduces years-long program to implement DEI. What's the, what's, it took years to, to put this together, and now everybody gets the equal outcome? What, what is this? Well, you know, the officers who are in charge of this club, one, one of them, um, her name is Sean, Dr. Shante Delalu, she explained equity as this idea that everyone is getting what they need. And... I mean, that's that's pretty nebulous. 
So, you know, they started to develop this program after what they described as the quote unquote racial unrest in 2020, I guess the summer of love, if you will. And they decided that Dartmouth needs to invest a lot more in what they're calling DEIB, diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging. So they're going to develop. I'm sorry, I have to interrupt you. They added a B? I've never heard the B. There's a belonging now. Is not inclusion the same as belonging? I do not know. I don't, I, I, I can't, uh, I, I can't, you know, claim to really fully understand the meaning of yeah. this acronym. It seems like a lot of it is jargon, um, but they want to put a lot of money uh, towards, towards these, um, towards these programs. And they want a lot of institution wide training for teachers in order to um, help them to understand diversity. And it was interesting too, because Dr. Shante Delalu said during this program that, you know, the, this this whole um, this whole thing it, it weighs heavy on her right the the whole situation of our country she cited uh, she cited Tyree Nichols being murdered as as a, as an example of a racial issue in this country to be honest I'm not really sure why because he was killed by you know black police beaten by black police officers right. um, but she cited that she said that she faced per, you know sexism and racism in her daily life. I asked her afterwards, what did that mean to her? You know, I, I personally don't think that Dartmouth is a very racist place. I think it's a very welcoming place, especially to um, people of different, you know, cultural, ethnic backgrounds, et cetera. And she just sort of cited a very long time ago having a personal experience with racism, but just saying, oh, it's, it's a system. It's a system that I just, you know, experience by nature of being a woman, by being a person of color and that sort of thing. So that's what they're using to justify um, what's now going to be a three-year-long diversity, equity, and inclusion and belonging program that's probably going to cost the college a lot of money. And I was able to interview uh, President Hanlon, the current president of Dartmouth College, after the event. And I asked him, you know, what does um, intellectual diversity mean to you? Do you think that we need to, you know, put resources towards um, initiatives that would increase intellectual diversity? And he said, yes, Dartmouth does a great job with that. And you know, when I asked him and I pressed him for examples, he said, well, you know, uh, in 2019, which is four years ago, we had a program that was sponsored by Osher that brought a series of, of you know, speakers and debates to campus. But this this debate, after I looked into it, happened in the summer. And Osher is a group that is aimed for people 50 and better. And if you watch the videos of the debates, I mean, it was mostly senior citizens in the audience. So I think that says a lot about how much Dartmouth cares about intellectual diversity. Yeah, no, I think you're right about that. And by the way, the person who says that there's institutionalized racism even today and every day because she's a woman in black or a woman of color, uh, that she faces racism, that's not true. She's been convinced that she faces it every day, but she literally doesn't because if you ask her, well, what would happen today that was racist, she couldn't tell you. But she's been convinced that, that that's just the system. And and if either you agree with me that it's the system and we fix something that might not be broken or else you, you as well are a racist. It's uh, Chloe Ezzo, I appreciate you coming on from Dartmouth. I've got maybe a minute. Fill me in on how you were rejected by your school newspaper. You're clearly a very smart individual. What happened here? Well, you know, I wanted to write for my college newspaper, the Dartmouth. It's America's oldest college newspaper, and I've been published pretty widely. I've been published in the College Fix. I've been published in the Wall Street Journal and in several other outlets. So I thought, why don't I try to apply for our campus newspaper? And I applied for every single section that involved writing. I submitted five applications in total, and I was rejected from all of them. Uh, I was actually mistakenly admitted to the arts section and then rejected uh, once they realized their mistake. And I think it's because I'm a vocal conservative on campus and they don't want to have a difference of opinion. And when I push them and I ask them why, 
their, um, their explanation really didn't make a whole lot of sense. They really weren't able to provide a, a concrete explanation as to why I was rejected from this paper. Yeah, but Chloe, the DEIB, the I and the B mean inclusion and belonging, right? Don't you belong? Aren't you included? Uh, Joe, I guess not. <laughs> it's, it's, it's ridiculous. I'm sorry that happened to you. Uh, I'm glad that you know why it happened because you're, again, a very smart individual. I hope that people like uh, those who make the decisions like that at Dartmouth and other places will wake up and realize that a diversity of thought and opinion actually makes this a better place for all of us. Uh, Chloe, I appreciate you coming on. I'd like to do it again with you. Um, uh, let's let's set that up for the future. I appreciate the College Fix coming on today as well. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay. We're back after this. Stay right here. This is the Joe Pag Show. Appreciate Chloe coming on from the College Fix. I think she did a great job. You go and follow the College Fix on all the social media. Also, stop by the Joe Pags Show website, JoePags.com. Follow on everything. We're consistently building our our um, our social media sites. And if you want to see any of those interviews over again, just click on Watch, and you go right to my Rumble link. You can make that happen. Let's do some pop culture. Dirty pop. Hi, Paula. What's happening, brother? So I know you weren't uh, a big fan of the Rihanna Super Bowl halftime performance. Was not. Right. Uh, apparently, there were quite a few other people that weren't either. They, uh, Team Z found out that there were over 103 complaints made to the FCC um, regarding that performance. Wow. Yeah, everything. I, mean, I didn't complain to the FCC. I complained to my show, but I didn't go and complain to the FCC. That'd be crazy. Yeah, I mean, they complained everything from, like I guess, the lyrics and the choreography were too sexualized. Um, and it was mostly like the dancers because she didn't do a whole lot, obviously. But right, uh, right, yeah, they 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 weren't too happy with uh, that performance. Very interesting. All right, Paul, I appreciate you, brother. Thank you. That's CJ in for Sam. Carrie uh, is uh, to be back tomorrow. In the meantime, I'm Joe. Go to the website. Go and check out all the social media. Thanks for tuning in tomorrow. Same time, same place. Do not miss a second of the Joe Pag Show. Appreciate you. Bye. This is the Joe Pag Show. Bye.